2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. Previously, before our marriage, and now, like, I put on myself that it was my duty to keep him from falling into pornography. So if we weren't having sex on a regular basis, then it was my fault that he had slipped or he had stepped outside of the marriage because I wasn't providing for him at home. Yeah, it's not an act anymore. It's, it is. It's a, cel- it's a celebration of what is true, that we are compatible, that we are one spirit, we're one flesh. Yo, welcome to the Death Alive podcast. My name is Richard Young, and today's podcast is a throwback, but not really. But yeah, it's with Elias and Gabby Groft, and they have their own individual episodes in season one. And this episode, they come together and then, and we do a little marriage talk. So with some brass tacks, some real stuff, it's a huge blessing, Um God has just been blessing them with wisdom that they get to share with us on marriage. And so listen in and just, I can't recommend it enough. I love it so much. Uh, Buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. It's a new thing, it's a new scene. So I am, it's a new thing, it's a if you didn't know this, I'm a history a buff. And <laughs> one of the things I love is the history, and this is stupid, is the history of the Death to Life podcast. The like, I think about it a lot. Entomology? <laughs> I don't know what that word means. Etymology? Uh, that's a Jonathan Leonardo word. But I was just thinking, it's almost, it's a little less than two years from when we recorded your episode. I was living in Kansas City at the time. Okay. I was in my dad's office. 
And then it was either Gabby or Alyssa that I recorded in person the first time. And we would have to look back on the schedule to see who came first. But I recorded with you in person. And now we are here almost two years later. And there's been a lot of life lived since then. And I know that both of you um, not only like have a passion for marriage, have a passion for the gospel, but God has given you, I think, special insight on how this gospel is lived out in marriage. And I just wanted to glean some of what you guys have learned and we can just start wherever but um stories or things that have happened in the last couple years um that have showed you what this thing is all about and so i don't know where you want to start with that but where do you where is the spirit leading oh there's so many things we've lived we've lived so much life like we have two children now, <laughs> and two previously children. we we only we had what Gunnison was. I don't remember <laughs> months. Yeah, Gunnison was just months old whenever we first heard the gospel in its in its fullness, and yeah, and accepted freedom. And then about a year later, we did the podcast. Yeah, I think yeah. So about a year was a it year. a year later. Yeah, because it was in March, and he had just turned a year in January. And then soon after that, soon I think soon after you recorded the podcast, or maybe right before, right in this area, uh, Elias, you wrote this thing about marriage that's been passed around like, like gold at all these different weddings. <laughs> okay, so I have a confession to make. Oh, no. Um, the- you didn't write that? That was Gabby? <laughs> <laughs> no. The original... Uh, recipient of said, um, he hasn't received it. <laughs> okay, tell that story because, um, and okay, so, um, my little brother he was gonna get married to he's like they're almost two years into marriage this fall, yeah. yeah. So, Gabby and I we were sitting down, we we're like, well, How can we share? How can we share, uh, the blessings that the gospel has had in our lives? You give me you give me credit for this. I really can't take any credit for this. It, I vividly remember working on the house, and you were just like intensely doing something outside and inside, and you would just come in and like type on the computer. Then you go back out to what you're doing, and you come back in, and you're just like, "This is a great thought. Let me type it down and type it on the computer." This this is really all you. <laughs> we it was yeah. So the moment was like I, we want to give them something. Yeah. I want to give them a picture of what it's been like for us. Mm -hmm. And this is what it kind of came out as was these like, they were kind of written as declarations. I kind of picked that up the first time I went to LRT, just looking at the gospel and looking at the way the Bible describes who we are Mm -hmm. and phrasing and positioning ourselves in first person through what the Bible is saying. Um, And it stuck in my mind and I was like, wow, like these things are actually us. And a lot of things that we wrote or that I wrote that day were stuff that still was a little pie in the sky ish to me, like a really like, um, 
that was just kind of like hopeful, like our marriage, our marriage can look like this one day, <laughs> but at the time but you was, were claiming it, but I was claiming it. Yeah. Right. Like by faith, I was reaching to some of these, some of these passages of scripture that were just showing up in Gabby and my, Gabby and I, uh, our marriage, mm-hmm. um, so often, but no, like we did, I sat it down for a while. Cause I think I shared it with somebody and I really wasn't ready to share it with the, the intended recipient. I guess it, I should, probably should share it sometime yeah. soon. Um, but yeah, what, what did it go first? Well, I, first, I think it went to somebody's wedding, Joyce well, and Will. It, it was a uh, part of the homily and Joyce part and Will's wedding. Homily. I think it was part Not of the homily, but the homily. I think it was um, part of the homily and Connor and Erica's wedding as well. It's beautiful. I mean, do you we, have it? Can you have, can you read it for it. us, man? Like we, so what we did two weekends. Um, yeah, we um, went down and did a, a marriage seminar, and basically what we did is we took this and we said they're all so good. We can't talk about all of them because we don't have enough time, and uh, we can't pick. We we didn't want to pick, so what we did is we cut them up, <laughs> put them in a bowl, and just went through the audience and said, "All right, pull one out." And we'd read it and talk about it and share stories that go along with it. Um, and it was very beautiful. Um, different kind of format, but uh, yeah, that's, how we, that's how we handled that. So why don't you read it? And then I want to hear... In, it, in like, its entirety? How lo- the, the original one wasn't crazy long, was it? 20 different declaration, de- declarations. Yeah, there's at least eight or 17. 17, yeah. It's, okay, well then why don't you lengthy. read one that has spoken to you and tell us the story behind, Ooh. like what I want to hear is the stories because the truth is <laughs> it's the hard times and the trials and the kind of messing up that really kind of brings out the truth. Like I know Natalie and I have experienced this that... um Truth doesn't always just jump out when everything's just going beautifully and it's yeah. just like, oh, beautiful truth. Truth comes when like you fall for a lie for a minute <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, and then like truth comes to set. And yeah. so, yeah, just whichever one you want to pick out that, and there, and the story behind, and maybe, is that your experience too? Maybe that's just Natalie and my experience. No, no, no. Like peace comes when... The sleeping savior gets that stands up in a boat in the middle of a storm yeah. and says, Peace be still. Like that's peace. Like peace is the contrast that that is our lives between like experiences and what the truth speaks over us. And yeah, no, like these things, and that's that's the beauty of the things that we have kind of lived we've lived this out. And uh, we are currently living one out. And I think that's what we want to talk about because it's gritty. All right. So it says, intimacy is a celebration of our union. On all levels, sexual, emotional, and spiritual, we are equals, submitting to one another in love. Purity is ours, not because we defend it from being taken away, but because it is secured for us in Christ who sees us as virgins undefiled. So I'll kick off a little bit with this. Uh, intimacy, specifically for us, sexual intimacy has, at early on in our marriage, was just weird. <laughs> Gabby's sitting there like, <laughs> like thanks, like, bro. <laughs> like, it was, it was covered with so much, like, 
just expectations. Like yeah. you had expectations and you had past history and I had expectations and didn't really know what they were. Um, and lived, if you've, you know, heard my story, lived a life of trying to be good and anything sexual in this world is always perverted. TV shows, movies, books, whatever. And so I've got this idea in my mind, like, this is a dirty thing. This is a bad thing. Even though I knew within a marriage and a union, it was good. It was pure. It, w- it was supposed to be. It w- well, yeah. I, but I didn't believe that ours was um, because I believed these lies uh, that, the, that the world had fed me. Um, and so you coming in, having experienced sexual acts i wouldn't say intimacy because it wasn't intimacy <laughs> even right? the way even the way gabby talks about it just like reveals like she she has such a, <laughs> such a genuine heart about sexual things like oh, but- a purity that is just like that it just caught me off guard so much early on in our marriage like i'd make a sexual joke and she would just like like glare at you <laughs> <laughs> So like for me, like sexuality was just something that was very open. And for for Gabby, sexuality was something that was so taboo. And so now we get married. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, sex was supposed to be the indicator of successful marriage. Hmm. So I had hook, line, and sinker was living in like good sex means good marriage. In that order. Good sex means good. I had sex on the highest pedestal of all pedestals. Yeah. Because I was like, I've waited this long. (laughs) And I didn't realize until maybe into freedom, the baggage that we had brought in to our marriage by just wrong ideas. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, just marks on us from either stupid stuff that we did or stupid stuff that we thought, but there was baggage that was brought in. And then when we got into marriage, we added to that baggage. A a dump truck worth of baggage. Now. (laughs) Lots of baggage. Intimacy, we declare, is a celebration of our union. Yeah. Um, So it's no longer a mark, like you said, of a good marriage. It's a celebration because we have a good marriage. It's not uh, the indicator that our marriage is good. Yeah, if my, It's just a result of. Mm-hmm. If my toes aren't curling, it does not. We mean. are editing that out, Eddie. <laughs> Edit that out, Eddie. Well, like what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is like, what I'm saying is like, we used to think that the ex, I used to think that the ecstasy experience of sex was going to tell me that my marriage had succeeded. Like, that's what I had. And I bring that into a relationship where you can already see that we are, we're in agreement with like what sex was going to look like. Well, it's interesting that we use the word intimacy and and Gabby made a, a very valid point. She's like, well, it wasn't intimacy because intimacy is a complete sharing of yourself, like body included. And so when you're really open and sharing it's not just this like a means to an end so that, oh, now we can go to sleep or something like that. It's you're sharing yourself. And if you don't like yourself, 
if you don't like the other person, there may be an act, but it is not intimate. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because that brings back to my mind a conversation I had with someone um, about this very thing. And we were talking about um, intimacy and the difference between just the act and then the actual like intimacy that you share between you and your partner. And I remember telling her, I said, I can be intimate with Elias and we don't even like touch each other. Just like just being in each other's presence, um, you can still share that intimacy. And I know that sounds really weird, <laughs> but that just shows the depth of what intimacy is that you can be okay without even, you know, having an orgasm and still be intimate. There's this idea that um, the whole idea of Christ being the, the, uh, the bridegroom and uh, the, the church being the bride, and now we have intimacy with the Father. Like we have intimacy, Mercy. we've been brought close, like the veil has been removed. Um, and yet still, like the veil has been removed, and sometimes we hide our true self from our Father. Like, we're not vulnerable enough to say, like, I'm actually really struggling here. And, like, this is going on, and I need this, and da 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 And if we can't really do that, it's because of, you know, wrong ideas about God, wrong ideas about your standing with God, and just this whole mixed-up thing. And that plays out just as much in a marriage. Like, if you do not, if you're not on the same page, like, there's no intimacy without intimacy. Like, there's there's no closeness unless you can actually bear who you are. And, like, the idea of nakedness, being in front of someone completely open. Like, if you don't know who you are or like who you are or believe some something false about your spouse then how can you be open slash vulnerable? Well, intimacy is based on innocence. And it has been for in our marriage. It, intimacy is based on like, is, um, purity. I have my highest, my highest concept of my innocence is how innocent is God in my estimation of his character. God's innocence or your innocence in his eyes? Both. So if God, if God is not fully innocent, then I have grounds to withhold intimacy from him. But if he's revealed as fully innocent, innocent of any wrongdoing in, in my life, then I have, there is open ground now for me to be intimate with someone who is innocent of wrongdoing in my life. So like if God really is love, if, if God really is, is yeah. faithful and righteous. Yeah. If he's actually just, then he can justify me. Right? Like, so this idea, so um, I want to kind of, one thing that really manifests like this poor concept of, of innocence between us, um, I was, I, I did not realize it, but I was very content on Gabby um, sharing sexual intimacy with me without being aroused. 
I was I was content. And this I didn't realize back in your deception. Yeah, yeah, back in my deception. I was just like she it was it was her accepted duty mm-hmm. in my mind that um that sex was what she that her and I were going to provide for each other. And I didn't realize it, but I violated my conscience every time I was willing to have sex with somebody who was not aroused. Hmm. And now in st- what the spirit has been able to reveal to me is just like, you do not have to demand that somebody consent without them. But it can't, like the ring is not, the ring is not the consent. Tr- yeah. Yeah. The, the, our, our marriage union, the fact that we're married is not the consent. It's, yeah, I mean, you actually have to consent to it. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah, no, like, so I, I was content with her just being like, it's her duty. Yeah, man, it all stems from this lie that um, you have... That you need this thing, number one. And I have a right to it. You have a right to it. And because you need it and have a right to it, if your spouse does not want to, then you're okay to fall apart and demand a bunch of stuff. And, I mean, the lie has is, is fed all over Christianity. All over Christianity. And pastors will have sermons about, you know, <laughs> it's it's pretty crass man it's pretty it's pretty rough and so we have been homeschooled in the wrong home to believe like this is our right and this is our duty so tell me about how this played out and then shifted in 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 real time like how the the shift from going into freedom um before freedom it was I felt like a duty, right? It was my duty as his wife to fulfill this, quote, need that he had. <laughs> and, um, you know, if I didn't want to that night, he would get mad, right? Uh, turnover, big sigh, like, you know, um, and withdraw any kind of physical touch, any kind of, you know, whatever, um, but then there was this one night where he wanted to, and I didn't. And he said that was okay. And I knew he meant it. And he was genuine about it. And that's the moment, one of the defining moments that really opened up to me his change, his transformation, and the freedom that he was living in that I didn't quite understand yet. Um, and I thought, wow, like, that's different. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel a bunch of shame put on me because in the past I would feel shame. Like I'm not fulfilling my duty as his wife. And I knew his history of pornography previously before our marriage. And now like I put on myself that it was my duty to keep him from falling into pornography. So if we weren't having sex on a regular basis, then it was my fault that he had slipped or he had stepped outside of the marriage because I wasn't providing for him at home and realizing in freedom that I'm not his provision. Like I do not fulfill 
him in that way. Like he's completely satisfied through Jesus. Um, and he's the one who explained that to me. He's like, I'm completely filled. I'm completely satisfied. And, you know, sexual in- intimacy is just a bonus. It's just a celebration. So back to our the little declaration here, intimacy is a celebration of our union. Um, whereas equals, right? Um, it's It's no longer, well, I need this and you are supposed to provide it because you agreed back on our wedding day. But yeah. Yeah. It's not an act anymore. It's, it is, it's a cel- it's a celebration of what is true that we are compatible, that we are one spirit or one flesh. Um, we share goals, but we're still individuals and coming together and being able to share our unlike like just give the other person unrestricted access to ourselves Hmm. is man. That's a testimony to me. Just even hear that hearing me say that, like it's a testimony within just to myself that that is where we live from now. Like I can give Gabby unrestricted access to myself yeah, because she's in my corner. She loves me. She's not against me. Well, hey, let me let me say something. Yeah. If if someone is listening to this and they're and they're struggling with this thing, and it it's something you said at the beginning, I think is super important to understand. We judged our marriage on our sex lives. And if you're listening and you're just like <laughs> In every kind of decision in a marriage, there's like a high desire partner and a low desire partner. So, for example, if uh, my wife wants the kitchen super clean and I want it super clean, one of us wants it to be clean more. And the person (laughs) that wants it not as much has the most control over it the low desire partner in any situation has the most control because the high desire partner wants it to get done. And the low desire partner is like, okay, I can check out. Yeah. Like, like, okay, we'll get it done. And so the low desire partner is always in control and it's in, it's the same thing with sex. Now the low desire partner, it's all relative. Like if the low desire partner is always in control, but, the low desire partner doesn't necessarily even want to be the, the low desire partner and feels it like this thing is it. Jack's marriage is all, all over the place all the time. Like this, this is the, one of these problems. And if you're positioning yourself like as one of those two things and you're just like, man, if I didn't have as high desire or, if I did have higher desire, then our marriage would be great. And you're judging your marriage based on these desires. You're just going to be waiting a long time to have a good marriage. But if you know this, like you're listening to this, you have a beautiful marriage because marriage is beautiful. You have a beautiful marriage. Your marriage, you're in covenant with each other. And like, don't wait for some sign. It's kind of like faith. 
Yeah. Oh, this is all based on faith. <laughs> yeah. All. Don't wait for some sign like, oh, we are now having sex twice a week. Our marriage is finally good. <laughs> Regularity. <laughs> Where the high desire partner is like, well, three times would be better. And the low desire partner is like, well, once every two weeks is better. No, like, here's the thing. Let intimacy grow from the beauty that has been given to you, that you have a beautiful marriage because you're married in Christ. Like you're married. Hey, Gab, is sex about control? <laughs> no. It used to be for me. Well, they say that everything in life is about sex, except for sex. Sex is about power. <laughs> yeah, well, like I felt like I was being controlled. Yeah. And as long as it had control, like... um has anybody ever used a birthday party to control you? And this is a weird question, but like, has anybody ever used the act of celebrating you as a means of controlling you? Because that's what I felt like it was. I was like, this is going to be the best thing ever. Oh, she gets to say anytime she gets to name time, date. And it was just like, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. But like. A celebration is not a means of control. So that's why we're very intentional about declaring that sex is a celebration. It's not a tool for control. And that's because there's another old saying that women need a reason to have sex and men just need a place. <laughs> and if that's how you think about sex, like you're just like, I have no control all we need is a place where no one's looking for about five seconds and then we can... No, like, that's not intimacy. Um, we can move on from this topic, but the thing that you guys have learned is, like, it's a celebration. It's, yeah. not, it's not the metric to decide whether you have a good marriage. If, if you're looking for a metric, I think a really good metric is forgiveness. On whether to know you have a good marriage? Yeah, I mean, I, but I don't, I don't know if that's like set in stone. But like you hear, you use the word metric. Like, can you make eye contact and tell the other person that you're fully forgiven? Like that might, that might be a pretty healthy, like. I, I want to offer this. The metric is that you're two free people in Christ. And then let that let that truth decide the rest of your marriage because that's that will decide like do we have a good marriage am are we two people free from sin slaves to righteousness and now we're here together yeah um let's pick another one off the list it says we refute the idea that marriage was instituted as a solution for loneliness Marriage is a journey, a blending of two independent people. Therefore, it is not a destination or the fix for any dysfunction or dissatisfaction. Our marriage in Jesus serves to amplify and expose the lies that lead to isolation and loneliness. Um, I think I picked that one next because I think a lot of people believe the lie that, well, once we get married, then we can have sex and we'll be good. Or once we get married, you know, I won't, I won't have to sleep um, in my apartment alone, right? I won't be lonely anymore. Um, but marriage is not a, a fix for loneliness. 
It's it's good for man to not be alone, right? And this there's this weird phrase in the Bible, maybe it's the New King James or the King James, it's like help meet or whatever. It's not a help mate. It's like, what is it? Anyway, the whole point of it is that marriage has been perverted into, I'm here to help you. I'm here because it is good that we're together and there's like a, a three corded rope is strong to, you better help me. You're, you owe me this. You better show up. And it turns into this beautiful thing that we are here for each other to help, to if you don't show up, then I'm lonely and it's your fault. It gets twisted. Yeah, the whole blame thing. And I want to hit this later as something that's really just been uh, digging for us lately. Well, I want to come back to blame in in a minute. But um, I, I lived often um, in the past fearing loneliness. Um, and, and what you said, you said a three, the three strand cord idea uh, is not easily broken. Um, I had recognized, I had believed of myself that I was weak and I needed others to make me strong. Like I was, I was very much a, I get attachment. And I think Gabby and I both struggled uh, before freedom with trying to find somebody else that we could attach to that would help us be strong. Um, I guess for Gabby, um, that was like, that was just like codependency was like attaching to somebody who was, was, was strong. Um, I don't know. What what was, what was that like for like the codependency part? Well, if whoever I was friends with or Eli specifically, I guess, um, talking about marriage, if he wasn't happy, then I wasn't happy because, I'm the one that's supposed to make him happy. Um, And I felt like it was my job to fix, not fix. um, I was to blame for the unhappiness or loneliness that he expressed or that he felt. Um, And yeah, I mean, it just, I was very dependent on his emotions to be happy for me to feel good. And it's very selfish because I wanted to fix him so that then I would feel better. I wanted to make him feel good so then that I would feel good. And I didn't realize that was my like thought process until freedom. But so when, tell me about this, when you're walking into freedom, how is this revealed to you as, and you start seeing it and like, is there like a, something that happened or that you're like, when did you realize, Oh, I'm codependent as a mug. Well, Gabby, Gabby had labeled codependence before freedom. Right. But like, we were still living in it. <laughs> like, it's like, Oh good. I have cancer. Where's the solution. Oh, I can't find a cure. I guess I'll just live with cancer. But like, um, do you want to tell them about, no, no, wait, wait, tell we should, we should tell the story about whenever we were working on the house. Because I think that for me was like this, this like, oh, Gabby isn't like, I am codependent and we need to work on this. It was like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not dependent on you anymore. And I was like, I have no power. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So to set the stage, uh, we have a, what, 15 month old son at the time. 
and I'm pregnant with our second, um, who's currently sitting in my lap. <laughs> if you hear noises, that's her. Um, and we're moving. And so here I am, you know, taking care of a toddler, growing another child, um, and trying to pack up the house. Elias comes home and realizes that the things that he thought should be done aren't done. And, well, I'm to blame. What am I doing all day? He, what do you mean you took a nap today? Like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. here I am in the evening. He comes home. I'm folding laundry, and he's just going off mad, going in and out of the door, back and forth from the shed, doing his thing to, I don't know, distract himself, I guess. Um, and he's going off on me. And I'm following, following the laundry. Spirit's telling me, he told me two things. He said, first, you don't have to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Like, I trust you. Because in the past, I would say, hey, I did this, and I did this, and I'm growing a child, and yada, yada, yada. But Spirit's like, no, no, no. Just, you don't have to defend yourself, and let me parent Elias. Like, I'm his father. You're not the one to be his parent. You're his wife. Um, so I basically told Elias that. Well, the words you used were, none of this is touching me. <laughs> when when so, we heard this, this when you guys told this story uh, at the Fletcher Church, Natalie and I were driving back from uh, vacation, yeah. and we were listening to this story, and we're just like, oh, this is this touching story. And then Gabby says... Like in the past, I would have started feeling bad for myself or like looking at myself. Yeah. And Natalie and I both looked at each other and we just started cracking up. We're like, Gabby is the sweetest person in the whole world. Because if that would have happened to either of us, we would have killed each other. Like, it's not like I would have felt bad that I was doing wrong. I would have been like, how dare you? Yeah, no, you're right. I would definitely have been questioning myself like what on earth did I do I just I gotta start getting busy right now showing him that I can get this stuff done um but no that that was different um and that I guess that's how that played out um close for you it rocked me (laughs) (laughs) because like I was falling back into a habit of my former ignorance of like your wife has to like, I don't know. And maybe this came from like me growing up and uh, it's, it's shown up in it's manifest in a couple times, but like this idea that I was one of six, uh, six kids and it was like all hands on deck. Like the Groffs are going to survive because we were, we're going to like, we're all going to show up. We're all going to be here and we're all going to do it. And if one, if, if there's an issue, if there's a problem, then and maybe this wasn't like the spoken thing within our family, but like, this is what I got a sense of. And what I was trying to project into the situation, this situation was if I feel anxious about a thing, you show me that you care by jumping into my anxiety with me. Like, like get in this, get in this pool because I am drowning. And unless you demonstrate to me, that you are as anxious about this thing that I'm worrying about, then I can't trust you because I identify with my emotion of anxiety and fear that this isn't going to get done so much so that if you don't acknowledge my emotions and almost like (laughs) demonstrate that you can feel the same way too, then I don't feel heard. I don't feel, yeah, whatever. 
And so now I'm justified to demonstrate to you that you don't care for me. You don't love me. You don't whatever. And when she said to me, Elias, none of this is touching me. I was like, like spirit just was so kind. He was so loving because he was allowing me to like just kick against the pricks, right? Like in a way of like, just realize there's no life here. Like there's no, there's no life in you holding your no, your wife's nose to the grindstone. There's no life here. And like, I think in, in this moment, it wasn't that he was um, like being any less of a father to me. But like he was just guiding me through, be like, okay, look, there is this, there's a, there's this habit that once was you that in, this is how you responded to situations in the past. And I want to demonstrate to you that that's not how your heart responds anymore. And, um, man, in that moment when she said that, like, I was like, I'm just going to go paint a wall and talk to spirit. <laughs> man, that's so interesting how you describe we all have the best way of doing things and it's from our childhood. Like we grew up and we're just like, Oh, this is how my parents did it. And even if it's not the best way, it's the best way. Cause it's the way you know it. And that's how you're doing it. And so you're coming from a family and I'm married to your sister. So I understand her background in this. Like you're married to a family. Like this is how we do it. We were all hands on deck and we survived. And like, it is survival mode. Like mm-hmm. we're going to get through it this is it. I come from a family that's different. Gabby comes from a a family that's different. And so like our, like the values that each family has, they're just different. Mm -hmm. Like the family values of the Groffs are teamwork makes the dream work. I think that's probably the number one value of the Groffs. The value in my family, probably number one value was like respect Number one, like this is how we live. We respect. And I can't speak for um, Gabby's family, but I'm sure that there was the Clifford. There was a value and you don't write them down. They're just what what the family thinks is important. Mm -hmm. And when your value, like your number one value gets stepped on, then you're just like, how is this possible? What are we doing here? The very fabric of the universe <laughs> will rip if you guys don't get back to the core values. And they're, they're like, that's the thing. Each country has different values. Yeah. And we all believe that our, well, maybe not we all, but your country, like the, the value, like that's the important thing. And so how do we, how do we deal with each other when, and maybe deal with each other? How do we love each other when the value? How do I tolerate? Yeah, how do we tolerate our spouse when their value isn't the same value? And or how do we manipulate them to have the values that we want? Because, like, it, that's not it, is it? No. A projection of something that a projection on somebody else of the means by which I was able to survive traumatic experiences as like, this is how it's done. Uh, it's uh, no, <laughs> it does not work. Um, we want to read another one. Do it. 
Uh, you asked the question, like, how do we love? Um, or how do we tolerate ours? <laughs> um, how, how can I tolerate my spouse better? We know we are no longer burdened by the upkeep of any record of wrongs committed by us or against us because we recognize them as fully absorbed by the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I, I remember when I wrote this one, I, I wanted to put the word burden. Um, we are no longer burdened by the upkeep of any record. Um, I, uh, in our, in our marriage, I was very intentional about, I said the blame thing, like, this is one thing that spirit has just been, I, I, we, we do a Bible study together and this probably comes up all the time. I, and it comes up when I talk to people all the time because he's just relentless on demonstrating to me, my wife's blamelessness, Hmm. um, that there is security in positioning Gabby as fully innocent. And I, you know, look, what, what, what did the death look like? It looked like me, keeping a record of every evidence that I could remember that would demonstrate that Gabby wasn't innocent. Hmm. So <laughs> I could, I would have ammunition because I think, you know, I'm, I'm no dummy. The way that Gabby explained her codependency, the way that she had believed herself to be able to keep peace in a home, keeping me happy. Like I realized like, Oh, it's all it takes was a knee jerk reaction at times. And I got my way. Gabby, how did that, I mean, did you realize that, that when you felt like you were walking around blamed, did you know that? Did you, did it? I definitely felt the, the guilt he put on me, the shame he put on me, um, in, in situations. And I think that's why I wanted to react so, so much to try and, correct it because I did feel guilty. Um, talking about correction, I would joke around and throw him under the bus in a group of friends. And he would just get so mad about that because that was his love language of affirmation. Um, opposite of that. And so, you know, what's offensive Somebody walking around forgiven when you don't feel forgiven. Like if someone's walking around light and you've got on the 40 pound backpack, you're just like, that's not fair, dude. Like you should be wearing the same backpack that I am. And so I'm going to put a little bit of that on you. Is that part of some of the reason why? Like, did you not see your blamelessness before? And so... Well, so from, I, um, oh, let's say that I fully adopted the victim mindset. I had it. So in, in, uh, old Elias was a victim of his, his situations. And I demonstrated my strength by overcoming whatever it was that was making me a victim. Um, whatever the, the shortcomings or the, the chip on my shoulder that I could take. I really, I saw it from a young age and I kind of cultivated this habit of if, if there's a reason for me to be less than then I'm going to fully adopt it because it gives me motive to work harder. 
It gives me motive to grind. You're like the Michael Jordan, like when he would make up stories from the other team to get himself going. It's crazy. Like the, he, he totally made up a story that this guy talked trash to him before the game. The guy never talked trash. Like you would like try to find the chip to motivate you. Well, and they were they were pretty abundant. Um, I, I mean, we're, we were we're realizing as parents, like it doesn't take much for a lie to land. Like we live life. Our kids are gonna live life. Like Gunnison, our son, he's our two and a half year old. Like he is going to encounter lies that are going to land, and it's just because he's gonna live life. And so I lived life. I I, I was I was a kid who. Uh, Divorced parents, dad not present, um, uh, undervalued, not the smartest kid, but you know, I had so many things. And what I brought into our marriage was this idea like, I'm a victim. And for me to find motive to do better, it starts with me being like the, yeah, the victim. So the victim, from my perspective, looked for somebody to blame, right? Looked for the, the cause, right? So I would look around and I'd say, okay, is, is, is Gabby to blame? Is, um, is the situation to blame? Is whatever, right? And I would unconsciously label the things around me to blame. And so that would give me the motive to one, expo- expose the person who's to blame. One, because that, that'd be a way to relieve my victimhood. Or, or two, just just get so irritated by what was going on that I'd find motive to like do better. Like, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to, I'm going to do better. And man, if you, if you read, if you just, just do a, I mean, to the re, to the listener, to me, what happened for me was spirit almost just challenged me. He's like, just, I want you to just look at the word blameless in scripture. Just look at it. Just go, just go on a little word search of blameless and innocent in scripture. And so I did. And I was shocked on like the context that a few times in the New Testament, the word blameless is used that it is primarily God and Jesus Christ's responsibility to present me as blameless. Um, and But I had so, so long been accustomed to justifying my own behavior, like telling other people why I am, I'm innocent, right? I'd so often, and... Um, and when he said, no, it's my job to present you as blameless. And I was like, oh, so I don't have to like justify myself anymore. And when he showed me that was the way he saw me, that really started challenging me the way that I was viewing Gabby. Because hmm. I would view Gabby, I would position Gabby as the blame. And it wouldn't agree with like that guilt, shame, and condemnation no longer had uh, a foothold in our marriage. Like it wasn't anything to use. And so I was just, it was just feeling so like, um, I don't know, like, like my tools, my tools for keeping a functional marriage together were getting ripped away from me because that wasn't what built a good marriage. It gave hmm. to us as a gift. And the more I just, <laughs> just said, okay, thank you spirit that Gabby is blameless. I'd come home and there'd be a thousand reasons why I wanted to position Gabby as guilty. And he's like, no, he's, she's actually, she's actually innocent um, in me. And, and even if like something's gone on, like she's innocent. 
and it's not your job to expose her. And just having that switch, and maybe Gabby can attest to this a little bit, like it's just changed the way hmm. I interact with my wife. Hmm. Um, yeah, what would you say, Gabby? I was trying to think of a situation recently that has happened. Um, I don't know. There's just so much more peace in our home. And I'm not like, I guess in, in the past I would be very conscious of everything that I did, um, or said, um, But yeah, that's that's not the case anymore. I don't I don't know really what else to say. <laughs> when you see that he looks at you and he like the Gottman Institute this this marriage guy who's probably the most famous marriage guy said that the true test on if a marriage will succeed is not if there is fighting or if there isn't fighting. It's not, it's actually what somebody actually believes about the other person. So if you believe that the other person is actually a good person in, in the world's you know kind of language, well, then there can be fights. There can be disagreements. And the fights can get rowdy. But if you believe a certain thing about them, then that will, like, your marriage will. And so when you see Elias and he's like, oh, he believes this thing about me, like, it changes even if there's a, it doesn't, like, the disagreement is just a disagreement and it's not a personal attack on you. Yeah. Um, knowing knowing we're good despite the situation. Um, yeah. It's, it's I don't know. <laughs> um, I, reading this one, I think, puts it into words pretty well. Do it. It says, guilt, shame, and condemnation have no hold as leveraging tools in our marriage. My mate in Christ is fully forgiven and innocent before God and man. They have received mercy. My mate is no longer the old man and has no need to be, to be ashamed. They walk in grace. God's righteous judgment has passed over my mate, who is a favored saint of the Most High. They are at peace with God. Rather, we are considerate of how to stir up one another to love and good works. So if Elias comes in feeling lonely or less than in some way out on an island and you know, he's, he's caught up in this lie. I no longer put that on that guilt, shame on me. I know that he is blameless, that he is fully forgiven. And then I get to tell him that I get to, um, pray over him, you know, either to him or silently to myself, realizing what's going on. Maybe he doesn't, um, I don't know. Yeah, that that was a recent thing um, a couple weeks ago. He just was feeling lonely. And, he, and in the wisdom that Christ has given us, in that clarity, we get to know our, for ourselves that we are fully forgiven and that this is a lie. And we get to say, hey, 
I'm feeling this way. Can you pray for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the feeling changes after the prayer. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> but that's not the indicator of whether or not the truth is truth. Um, we get to claim it by faith that the other is no longer their former self, that they have died. Like The thing that you said to me, I know is not from you. An enemy has done this. That's not from you, Elias. It's from the enemy. And you need to know that, that that's not you. Uh, and I think that's, that's a good picture of what it looks like in our marriage now. Um, lies still come up, but they're exposed as lies because they're, they're in the light, because we are in the light. I mean, that, that is, that's so powerful. I don't know how many there are, but I can't think of one that could be more powerful than that. Like, position your spouse the way God has positioned them and made them holy, blameless, and above reproach. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, how can it get more powerful than that and what it can do to a marriage? Well, like I used to require Gabby to ask for forgiveness before I granted her forgiveness. Like, that's the problem. That's the problem with not understanding that God's very own character is forgiveness. Yeah. And so that he has forgiven you. God's character is not, I will allow forgiveness if requested. Like, that is not his character. Yeah, he doesn't look at you and say, per your request, I put my son on the cross. No, like, that was this twisted idea of... And so... so because we had hook, line and sinker adopted like um, that forgiveness was a ma- was that uh, confession was an admission of guilt. And that forgiveness was me saying, I know you're guilty, but I love you anyways. Right. So that's what it was. Like it was. This so it makes you like Lord. It makes you what, like powerful. Like I will grant it rather I, than I, like Yeah, I'll love. grant it. But now forgiveness is. I, you're forgiven before you ever say you're sorry. Like that's how I've been positioned before my heavenly father. Like I am forgiven. And so now Gabby, anytime Gabby confesses to me, it's not an admission of guilt because she is not guilty. (laughs) It's, it's, it's proclaiming, it's confessing that I am not this thing by clarity by the clarity of that is Jesus Christ. I am not this thought that I'm that that's swimming around in my head. That's being brought to the obedience of Christ. Like this is not me. And together now we get to speak to each other from that place. Like I, and before (laughs) old, old Elias was emotionally inept, could not give proper labels to the way I was feeling. And so it just was, I would just act out because I didn't understand. But like, we've never been able to identify and give clear descriptions to our feelings better because they are, we recognize that they're just, they're just our reaction to something and they're not the truth about us. Hmm. And it's been so freeing to just be like, yeah, I, I feel lonely, but I am not loneliness. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I can hear you say you feel lonely and yet not position you as lonely. Mm-hmm. And one other one kind of goes along with this. It says we no longer evaluate each other's motivation from a human point of view. We recognize there is nothing to gain in positioning our mates as anything less than who Christ proclaims them to be, holy, blameless, and above reproach. So any feeling or lie that comes to the other, once it's expressed, we don't have to take that and say, oh yeah, you are lonely. <laughs> you are on the island, actually. Um, we have to say, no, well, no, that's not true. No. That might be what you're feeling right now, but... That's not true, um, and, and speak life over them. That's something like we're talking about intimacy, right? It's so powerful when your spouse is just like, "No, I know who you are. I know who you actually are." Mm-hmm. And the times where, and I shared this on my episode where Natalie's just like, "No, like you're good." And I'm like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> because like, because it really doesn't feel like I am good. But I, maybe you're right. No, like, and, and like when they see you for the thing, like, you really want to be that thing. You don't want to feel lonely. And you don't, you don't want to actually be lonely. And so when they're like, no, like, <laughs> you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death Fear nothing. Because he is with you. Yeah. Because in the past we used to use like, I'm feeling lonely as a, as a plea for your presence in my life. I would say, Gab, I just, I feel like I'm on an island. Would you just, just be close to me? Or like it was, I would, the only time I could admit to an emotion was if I could use it to get something. Manipulation. <laughs> yeah. In this way because of you, now fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Do something about it. But like I no longer hold Gabby accountable for my emotions. I mean, earth to Elias, like this is always this is how it's always supposed to be. But like I held her accountable for it. And no. <laughs> yeah. That I that, that somebody has taken responsibility for me, that I have a heavenly father, that I'm his prized possession. If you have a testimony of something that has happened or a life that has changed because of an understanding gleaned from this podcast, I would really love to hear it. Um, So could you please email me, richard at lovereality.org, so that I I could hear this testimony and maybe get in contact with you? Because it's what we live for. It's what I love the most. It's why this podcast is here. So uh, email me at Richard, Richard at lovereality.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. I want to ask a question here, and then we'll go back to that. I don't, we don't have to go for three hours, but... Three and a half. If someone's like listening game. to this, and I'm thinking of two situations. One situation is this. Like, your spouse is not free... And you don't know how you can be okay if they're not free. That's situation A. And situation B, your spouse claims to be free, 
but still positions you, still is frustrating, still is, is and you try to say, you try to speak live and they're like, nah. And you're losing your peace because they've lost their peace. Is there anything in your because I I we I get phone calls about this all the time, and it's just beautiful people that just love their spouse and they want their spouse to get this thing and they're losing hope. Oh, we're locked and loaded. We are ready for this question. Gabby. Give go. it to me. <laughs> so we are freed from the protection of self. Never a need to defend a dead man or woman. And therefore, we are unable to set up our mate to stand as our judge. So to the one living in freedom and their spouse is not in freedom, you don't have to position them as your judge. And you don't have to defend your old self. Yeah, you can actually be accountable now. Like if they have something like legitimate that they're trying to express to you, uh, because the new life you're living seems as if you're getting getting away scot free with the pain you've caused them in the past. Like you, you actually get to be accountable. The other day, I was hanging out with one of my friends. Um, we were just on his call, and he just he just kind of ended. He was about to get off the call uh, with a group of us, and he's just like, you know what? I just wanted to say, like, like if there's anything that old me did, like let's chat about it, like please bring it to my attention. If there's something that I can do to make amends to, to ease what's going on, like there's nothing I won't do to demonstrate like my love for you. And I was just like, Oh, like this is a new next level accountability. Like, uh, but the reason is, is because we're freed from protection of self. And I think in, I think in this idea of, being around somebody who's not defensive allows you to lower your defenses as well. Um, really starting to appreciate, like I am not my own defender. Um, appreciating that Jesus Christ and the Holy spirit in you, you are fully protected and, and very well cherished and held and, and loved so much so that you can walk through the situation without defending yourself. And that kind of posture towards somebody, um, it, it changes them. I, I, I've seen it. And even in our marriage of this, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, you're, you're actually right. What, what you're saying, you're right. Um, and, we let, let's work through it instead of like, Oh my, I know, I know, you know, this like, <laughs> I, let me, let me explain. Like, let me make a list of all the things I need to do to show that I'm no longer this person. Oh yes. I have a behavior correction plan. Look, but like all that, all that Man, does dude. not set the other person free. What we're trying to, what you're trying to do in this situation is you're trying to show them that they are free from protecting themselves that you're trusting that they have a heavenly father who is actually protecting them better than they are in this moment. 
So if, if, if I'm in, if I'm in contact with somebody, especially in our marriage, like the other day, like Gab was like, uh, I forgot, I, I was, I was trying to just convey something to her. Like, um, she had a really stressful day and I was just putting something else, something else on her plate. Um, we had two kids both with ear infections all at the same time. And I just said something about like, um, like just be consider some, Oh yeah. Gunnison. He, he hadn't eaten for like two days and this kid has like a ravenous hunger now. Like he's just eating anything that's in front of him. And I was like, and I said into the kitchen, um, Gabby was pretty stressed and, uh, I was like, Hey, just don't let him eat too much. And she was like, I know, I know, I know. And I was like, Oh girl, you didn't hear my heart. Like my heart towards you is not like, you're not, you're not, like you're, you're a great mom. Like you're loving our kids the best way. Like no other person on this planet could love our and parent our kids through this situation. And that observation does not say you're less than. And we got to really, we got to chat about that because that feeling of like, I know, I know, I know is this like, I can't take correction. Dude, at the end of the NBA season, they give uh, season awards and there's an award called the All Defensive Team. Natalie and I were both first team All Defensive. Uh, we could not take each other's correction at all, and it was a, a personal attack every single time. And in freedom, there's still temptation mm-hmm. to uh, to put that on. But whenever we're defending ourselves. It just shows we low-key, we believe what the other person... Like, if if you are being attacked by your spouse, like, first of all, like, if you're the spouse that's attacking, uh, don't, do, don't do that. Pause. Second of all, if you are being attacked, don't, don't defend. Yeah. Don't defend. You don't have to. Because when you defend, you make them the other person, your judge, your jury, and you could just... Okay. Um, and so your uh, solution or your mindset for defending yourself is? I have a defender and he does a good job. He doesn't need my help. I am well defended by my heavenly father. And if you actually did make a mistake, if... Like, like, let's say, for example, Gabby was feeding Gunnison too much. Like, Gabby, how can you hear that? And while there's a temptation to be like, why are you telling me this? I'm his mother. I, I feed him all the time. I know how much he eats. You don't need it. Like, how do you... Hush, peanut gallery. <laughs> when you feel that, when you feel that defensive feeling come, like... How do you walk through that? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think taking a step back and hearing what they're actually saying um, and not positioning them as positioning me as less than, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my first reaction was... I was just trying to offer some things to him because he hadn't been eating, right? And in my perspective, Elias wasn't really present for the day for that time. And 
my like I, the the temptation the temptation was how dare you tell me <laughs> yeah. what to do it's offensive it's offensive and i was able to yeah to take a step back realize no that's not that, that's the way that i heard it but that's not what he was saying to me um he cares for our son. He wants exactly what I want for our son and that is to be healthy um, and is to, you know, be nourished. Um, and he wasn't feeling well and he had thrown up. And, you know, so there was this like, well, maybe he's just afraid that he's going to throw up on him again because he was the recipient of that <laughs> event. <laughs> so twice. <laughs> um, no, all that to say recognizing the defensiveness that I was tempted to have is really the first step in realizing that I don't have to be defensive. Yeah, It, it feels terrible to try to convince your spouse of something, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially when you think you know it's right. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what do you know, clown? <laughs> like, I've been here all day. And then if you do know that, if you have been there all day, defending yourself actually doesn't prove that point. When you're like, okay, like, I know you love your the, the kid. I love the kid. Okay. And you don't position them as Lord over you. Like, yeah. Because it's, it's, because being defensive, it doesn't, it does not help. It, it just feeds into lies about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it doesn't bear fruit. Like, uh, the one that we wanted, we were looking at, um, as kind of, we were talking, we we're kind of looking at them. The, the fruit of the spirit in our marriage is ripe both in season and out of season. By faith, we see ourselves as trees of righteousness, planted and tended by our Creator. The trials that come from the outside of our marriage are just winds that shake our branches. The good fruit drop off manifests itself in in good works, which give glory to our Father, the Master Gardener. Hidden in Christ, our example in trial allows others to savor the fruit of the Spirit. They taste and see the goodness of God, and receive the seeds of freedom planted in their own lives. Hmm. Gabby's, Gabby had somebody ask her the other day, do you like just not get stressed? <laughs> because she is just this beacon of calmness now. Like in the past, it was like, I'm going to be calm because I need to be calm to control the situation. Mm. It seemed like, like, like she used to say, um, uh, uh, Will you forgive me? Like she would, she would, she would use forgiveness as like a, as a means to like, to, uh, what would be the word? Like to deescalate the situation. Diffuse, to diffuse. Yeah. Yeah. But like, she's just, she gives people reasons to ask people who are close to her, people who interact with her on a regular basis to ask, do you ever get stressed? Like the fruit of the spirit, peace, gentleness, like are ripe in Gabby's life and people are just seeing it 
are, are the people who are closest to us asking questions like this. And Gabby's just like, oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> I presentations there, but I, then I get to see with clarity the situation for what it is and then move on from that. Yeah. Like we're not waiting for the fruit to show up so we can know that they're there. Hmm. Like we know that the fruit of the spirit are ours. Like he has come into our life, has taken the desires of our new heart that he's given us, planted his seed in us. And now he's growing fruit according to the desire that's actually in our heart. Like I have a desire for gentleness. I have a desire for patience. And in the past, that desire was met by a spirit of disobedience. It was met by a a mindset of scarcity and it was manipulated and changed to all this other stuff. But now like I've received by, we've received by faith that like we're actually the good trees and we're being gardened or we're being tended by a gardener and he's producing in us the actual desires of our heart because he's come in us and planted his seed in us. And now we're actually the fruit of the spirit, his, the fruit, they're, they're producing life hmm. and we're seeing it all around us where we get to just share our story. We get to share our life. We let out, like we, we allow others to intersect their life with us, but like, uh, like we just get to be present and we come with like, we come with a lot of empty bags hmm. that had just been unloaded. Like praise the Lord, man. That that the baggage that we once carried, like we just not there. <laughs> let let me ask you this as uh, I think we'll be wrapping up. If someone is hearing this and let's say we're getting a lot of people who've just started listening to the podcast actually in the last couple of months. Um a lot of people who are new to Love Reality or new to the Death of Life podcast. And there's couples that are new to it. And they're hearing this and they're like, we want that now. We want what they're talking about. Like, it does sound pie in the sky, like <laughs> that you were writing it. What would you say to them? They're like, I want this now. What would you say to uh, a couple who is desiring righteousness in their marriage and beauty in their marriage where there is not, has not been in the past. Like what's the pressure that makes you say that you have to have this thing, right? Uh, in your marriage, like uh, we renounce like the social and like societal pressure that having a good merit or a good marriage, like gains us something or like gains us merit or garnishes us a specific blessing in reference to God. Like we used to think like that marriage was given to us as a, um, as a means by which we could prove ourselves to God. Like, God, you gave me this thing. So now like, we're going to, we're going to steward this marriage thing really well. And it's going to say something about the way that you get to relate with us now. Like you get to bless us because we're a blessing, you know, this idea. And I would hate for somebody to hear this and then feel pressure that they need it in order to prove something. So that's number one. Like, um, that's a word. Like, you, the pressure isn't that you're going to gain something from your social circle 
from God, from your family, because you can figure this thing out and, and, uh, and make a good facade of what forgiveness looks like. No, like that's (laughs) like, that's not your heart. So don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about that pressure because that's, that's got no, that has no resonating, uh, feature in you. Um, I'll read that one. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah that's okay. We receive, I think is where I left off. We received a great marriage by faith hmm. as a gift and know that leveraging any of its blessings to earn worthiness can change our estimation of this gift into a debt. Ooh, unpack that. I think I know what that means and it's provocative, but like explain that to me. Um, if somebody gives you a gift and you don't trust the heart of the giver, you will feel like the gift and the way you utilize it, um, in some ways, like showing them that you value the gift. And then it becomes a debt. And then it becomes a debt because you've estimated a gift as something that is now a burden to you. And he never intended marriage to be a burden to you. It was a lie, a lie that you have to do good in order to be good. And I I just want to just like, if, if this is a way you're feeling like, let's just confess that thing. You don't have pressure to have a good marriage. You have a good marriage by faith. He was the one who brought man and woman together. He brought Adam and Eve together before there was any sin. And he said, this thing bears my image. Like, that's what he said about marriage. Like, go back to Genesis 1, 1 or 2 or 3, somewhere in there. Like, I think it's 2. But like, this bears my image. Marriage specifically bears my image. It's, it's your, your marriage is his responsibility, not yours. Hmm. Like, so don't, don't take it on as a, um, as a burden, as a missed opportunity up until now, like, Oh, we're going to get this thing right. And then we're going to have no, like receive by faith that the, 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 the one who established marriage has given you a marriage that is good. Because he is good. Because the giver is good. You know that thing earlier I said, like, I'm not sure I can that you're going to say something more powerful than that. Like, this is good. That's powerful, man. Yeah. Because we're not proving anything anymore. Like, for so long, like, I thought that I had to get my marriage into shape in order to prove something. Hmm. It's just pressure, dude. It's, it's, it's a pressure that's not coming from your Heavenly Father. And if it's not coming from him, it doesn't fit you because you're his, you're his kid, you're his child. And, um, I think the one thing that allows us to speak with such confidence is that, uh, we recognize that all marriages have these same qualities, all of them, that all marriage have these same quality inherently because they are established by God. And now it's like our joy to reveal the father's posture to his bride. Like his heart posture to his bride is now our joy. Like just to tell him, tell, tell the world that like, man, 
the one who established marriage gave us a great one. Um, and yeah, well, I, I want to, can we plug it? I'm going to try to get Addison. So by the time this thing airs, whenever you do it, I'm going to see if I can Might get be Addison. two weeks. I'm going to see if Addison can put this up on the resources page. Um, so this episode, no, 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 no. Or you're the, the thing that you the guys thing, did. The thing in we're Fletcher. reading. So we're reading from uh, oh, this okay. document. Yeah. Um, that we put together. So we want to make it available to you. There's a lot of other things on there. I think we read like maybe six or seven of. There's more. There's more. <laughs> um, but no, like to just make this. Uh, there's there's a hundred other things that spirit declares over people's marriages. Um, but this was just what was evident for Gabby and I, and it's proved to be. Um, it's proved to be, there's a lot of resonation from other people about it. So we want to make it just available. If there is a couple that hears this and they want more and they want to just talk with you, you guys are open to that, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. If you guys, uh, if you're listening to this and, and you want their info, um, that would be no problem. You can message me or something. We'll, we'll, we'll hook you guys up, but you guys have a burden for marriage. It's not a burden. To- it's, not, it's not a burden. We just change that. Like <laughs> you have a joy. You have a joy for marriage to be seen as this gift that it is. And not, you don't have a burden for the burden. You have a joy for the gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been, this has been edifying for me and I've been hearing, if you've been hearing someone in the background listening to the podcast, it's going, Hmm, that's Natalie. And she's <laughs> been, Oh, I, I've been hearing it. She's been, uh, she's been vibing. So this has been super, a, a huge blessing for us. Is there anything you want to say as, a uh, as, uh, as we, uh, if we let this mug go or. I would say one thing. Um, if you're a couple or even if you're not, you're just listening to this and you've got this document up. Share it with someone. Hmm. You're driving in the car, you're on a phone conversation. You're like, Hey, let's talk about this. This is, this is one little bullet point on a document I have. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And, and have that conversation with someone. Um, Elias and I have done this many times on road trips of just, Hey, let's pull this up and let's talk about it. Why do we agree with this? Why do we don't? Why do we maybe not agree with this in the past? Or uh, what are some verses that come to mind when I think of this? Um, so yeah, that'd just be a challenge for me to you guys. These are radical. Like I don't think we, I don't think we understand how radical this thing is anymore. We're too close. We're, yeah, we, we've gotten too close to but the fire. Shout out to uh, the Dolls, like. Yeah. Shout out to this. They they showed up to your marriage seminar and they're just like, what are these people talking about? And it's because these are radical concepts that, I mean, none of us really knew for a long time in our marriages. And, uh, but praise the Lord that he's revealing just truth and who we are. Yeah. Himself, bro. That's what's up. So yeah, that's a. Did did you want to say something else, Gabby? Realize I see oh, you no. pointing at the screen. 
I I was just scrolling around on the thing. I was like, oh, we could talk about this. No, like we need to, we need to let the people go to sleep <laughs> or go back to work. Or uh, no, I think this is good. We could keep talking, and maybe we'll do next year a part a part three or something where they're like commonly asked questions and stuff. But um, no, like like they like you guys said, this is like six or seven of the bullet points, and yeah, for sure we'll we'll make this available to people. And, um, yeah, I think it's more good resources. More. Is that the website? I thought it was more good gospel. And then the oh, goes, no, it is more good gospel. Yeah. Uh, more good gospel.com. More good gospel.com. <laughs> that's the word. More good gospel.com. Thank you guys so much. Uh, appreciate you. Love you too, Rich. Is this the end of the podcast now? <laughs> got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. And love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. And you can feel it freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thank you.